Welcome to the TJI Preaching and Ministry Podcast, your source for all things preaching and ministry from the Jenkins Institute. This is your host, Jonathan Sanford, and now your friend, Jeff and Dale Jenkins. Hey folks, whether it's morning, evening, or nighttime, we welcome you to the latest edition of the Jenkins Institute podcast on preaching and ministry. This is Dale Jenkins, and I am with my brother Jeff today. How are you, Jeff? Dale, I'm doing great. Uh, you're actually not with me. I think you're well, somewhere else, and I'm in Texas, so so uh, we're not actually together, but it's always good to get to visit with you on our podcast. Yeah, I'm somewhere between Tennessee and Alabama right now. I've spent my morning and early afternoon with Dan Winkler doing some stuff together, but now get a few minutes with you. And uh, what are you up to this week? Well, we're getting ready for our big preacher training camp starts uh, Sunday. We've got about 50 young men who will be coming in for the week, and uh, we're looking forward to that. It's always one of my favorite weeks of the year, and so it'll be a good time. But, Dale, we've got got a a great special guest with us today, and uh, we're delighted, uh, first of all, that we can do this podcast. And the theme for this podcast uh, today is Ministering in Times of Crisis. And uh, Dale, uh, unless unless you've had unless people have had their heads under a rock somewhere, they they know what's going on in our country, and they know that our country is uh, fragmented, and we have a lot of uh, difficulty uh, right now, not only in our nation, in our communities right here, where I live in the Dallas, Texas area, uh, but also in the church. And so, we thought we would take this week as we talk about a ministry to talk about ministering in times of crisis. Yeah, it's hard oftentimes, Jeff, to know as a local preacher how much you say, how little you say, when you become uh, involved in something going on in your, in your immediate culture, when you set aside what you've worked on for weeks or months to preach and, and, and set it aside and preach on something. And those things are difficult to know, and if you're not careful, you can do that every week. You can find something happening somewhere in the globe, and you can become Fox News or CNN just chasing the news story. But uh, So we're going to talk some about how do you minister when there's obvious crisis. We are a nation that's experiencing many various forms of crisis right now. And, Jeff, there are different kinds of crises that we face, are there? Sure, there are, and we'll, we'll talk about some of those. But let's First of all, uh, let me welcome our guests today. We're delighted to have with us on the podcast uh, David Duncan. David is the preacher for the uh, the preaching minister for the Memorial Church in Houston, Texas. Great Memorial Church, and uh, David is a, a close friend and a great preacher. Uh, David has been involved. He and his family have been involved in mission work through the years, and uh, now for a number of years preaching for the Memorial Church in in Houston. So, David, we want to welcome you to the podcast. Well, thank you. This is an honor. So, David, tell us a, a little bit about uh, uh, your family and about where where you've been preaching through the years and a little bit about the mission work that you've done. Well, uh, I went to school from a Christian, and immediately after that, I uh, went to Brazil with my wife and three other couples to, uh, to plant a church in Vitoria, Brazil. We were there seven years, then went back to the same congregation that sponsored us in Edmond, Oklahoma, for seven years and worked there in 
outreach and preaching. And then 10 years ago, moved uh, to Houston to be the preaching minister here at Memorial. So uh, it's been it's been a wonderful a wonderful uh, time of ministry for me. Well, David, you're you're a, I know you wouldn't say this about yourself, but you're much loved by a lot of people uh, in Brazil as well as in uh, Oklahoma and Texas. And uh, uh, David also serves on the board of directors for Oklahoma Christian and uh, just uh, a great uh, man of God and great preacher. And we're we're honored to have you with us today, David. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I wanted to, as we, we start talking about this, um, ran across a quote this week, and maybe a lot of the preachers have already seen this, but if you have it, I'd like to share it with you. It was, uh, it's by Frederick Buechner uh, in his book, Telling the Truth. And here's what he says. One wonders if there is anything more crucial for the preacher to do than to obey the sadness of our times by taking it into account without equivocation or subterfuge, by speaking out of our times and into our times, not just what we ought to say about the gospel, not just what it would appear to be in the interest of the gospel for us to say, but what we uh, have ourselves felt about and experienced it. And it seems like, David, that uh, Buchner is saying here that, um, that we, we need to pay attention to what's going on in the world around us, and it, it really is... Um, uh, a lack of understanding and appreciation if we don't pay attention to what's going on around us. That is absolutely true. I think people have to hear from us. I think they need to hear from us. Uh, it's not that we have the answers, but uh, we'll turn to God, the one that does have the answers. And uh, um, I, th I think it's our responsibility to speak out uh, as Dale said earlier, we can't speak about every single issue in the news but there are times that we have to say something. So David, let me ask you, and that's a great lead in point you've just made. You said you feel like it's our responsibility. Why is it our responsibility as preachers or as a church to speak out uh, when crisis, when our, our community is involved in crisis? I think people are turning uh, to God often. They're looking for answers and God has put us, in a unique place it's not we're not inspired the way they were the apostles were but at the same time we're put in a place where people are looking for some kind of hope or understanding and if we pretend that the things aren't happening around us they're just going to go away because we're not helping them find find that hope um i remember after uh, the supreme court made the decision to allow same-sex marriage. That was on a Friday. My sermon uh, was finished on Tuesday. And uh, so, you know, I was, I was not wanting to, to add anything to it at that point. I was set. And the, the longer I thought about it, finally I went to my wife and I said, I have got to say something about this ruling. I have to say something. And I'll never forget, she turned around and looked at me in the eye and she said, uh, People are going to be there Sunday morning to hear what you have to say about it. So they want to know what you think, what the elders think, what the church thinks, obviously what the Bible says, and you would be doing them a disservice if you don't share with them. And uh, that was obviously one of those big times that something needed to be said. 
and I worked in a statement before my sermon, and then I worked it in as an illustration later on. But uh, people need to know there's still there's still a place of stability, even though we live in an extreme unstable world. That's excellent, David. And uh, there are different kinds of crises. Sometimes, uh, you know, you'll, you'll face different various kinds of crises. Sometimes it may not be just something like uh, a ruling by the Supreme Court. What are some of the different kinds of crises that people do face? Well, obviously, people face all kinds of things. Losing jobs, if you live in a community where the job market's bad, if there's a rash of uh, marriage problems in the congregation or in the community. I think about uh, one time years ago, woke up early one morning to find a picture of, of one of our church leaders on the news saying that he had done some terrible things to, to children. We had to address that as a congregation. And we had to address it uh, as a church, knowing that there were going to be TV cameras there that night. And um, I mean, obviously, that's a big crisis and people take sides. But after 9-11, for example, uh, when I was still in Oklahoma, we, uh, we inaugurated a building on 9-9 and then 9-11 occurred. But 9-12, 9-13, 9-14, those days were all prayer services for the community a way for us to reach our community, but at the same time, it was, uh, it was helping to give hope and strength. You know, obviously what's happened in Dallas, but it's what's happened in other cities. Uh, those are some of those issues. But even I think about uh, this time of year and like what's happening in Colorado with wildfires, that impacts families, it impacts congregations, and we have to somehow be the beacon of uh, hope in the middle of that, you know, in any week, there's some kind of tragedy going on. We can kind of hit the big things and in, in uh, kind of generic phrases about, about cancer or job loss or whatever it may be. But then there are those that everyone in the audience is thinking about that we have to somehow address one way or another. And David, you know, a, a, a 24 hour news cycle, when you've got stations like CNN and Fox and MSNBC, uh, and within the proliferation of social media, Twitter, Facebook, things like that, uh, the availability of information to some degree changes our responsibility to address those things. I mean, when Kennedy was shot, that was the first time that something like that was carried so nationally. When the Civil War was over, it was six months to longer before some people even knew the war was over. But today, if it happened, it would be on Facebook, on Twitter feeds within seconds. And so that makes the immediacy of addressing something, I think, more important, doesn't it? Absolutely, because, um, because our folks are watching. Sometimes I tell them publicly, you know, turn those channels off. You've had enough. (laughs) We can't take it, you know, 24 hours a day. Um, I was talking to a police officer Sunday who um, who was in a lot of pain, obviously, over the different things that are going on. And he mentioned, for example, now on Facebook, there is that live feature, which the live feature can be great, but there was a live feature from the car where there was that shooting. He said there is literally not even a second to uh, investigate a case now because people see things happening live. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, something I'd never thought about, but it brought a lot of angst uh, to him as a police officer. So we do have to address things right away because we have these national issues that, that uh, impact us in a way differently than in the past. So David, let me ask you, you mentioned about what your wife said about uh, after the Supreme Court that the people were expecting to hear something from you. How do we navigate as preachers uh, making those kind of statements and comments um, without sounding political, without acting like we're another reporter, you know, stating the news? I mean, they've heard from CNN and they've heard from NBC and people all week long, uh, we know what they need to hear is a word from God. But how, how do we navigate that without it appearing to be political or without it appearing to be just another news story? Well, it is definitely a fine line to, uh, to walk. One thing I'm reminded of, because I have so many uh, Facebook friends in my own congregation, I realize they're not all of the same party. At one time, we might have all been one party or the other, but it's not that way anymore. So I realize that people are going to hear things differently from me. Any message that I give, for example, about homosexuality or, or, or police brutality or whatever it may be, I try to always soak it in love, that we love people. What we want is for everyone to know Christ, and we're, we're going to love people no matter who they are or what they're involved in. We love people. Becca couple of years ago in, in a sermon I took on for, uh, for a point, I took on immigration a little bit. And living in Texas and living in Houston, that <laughs> is a huge issue. <laughs> That's a get you fired issue. Yeah, yes, it is. yeah. Yeah. And this is, what, this is what I said. It's interesting. We even, had a, we even had a national politician in the audience that day. Um, I said, you know, I, I said, I don't have an answer for immigration. I said, I don't know what's best. This is the only thing I know. If everybody has to go home to their country of origin, don't we want them to go home with Jesus? I said, don't we want them to be Christians, whether they leave or they stay? And uh, what I think people all got really nervous in their seats when I even said the word immigration. But we could all agree all of us who are being honest and believe in Jesus, that we want everyone to come to Christ. So whether they go or stay, let's tell them the, the gospel message. It's so uh, easy for us to fall into, you know, political correctness and everything, and this is what the general average conservative person thinks, and then, and then in developing a, a Christian worldview that says, here's how a Christian approaches this, this issue. Absolutely. I try, to, I try to always teach that we are thinking about how to bring Jesus to these people, whoever they are. If they see things completely different than us, if we're talking about same-sex marriage, immigration, um, um, gambling, whatever the issue may be, it is about honoring God and bringing Christ to the world, to every person. So, David, yeah. how, how, do we, um, how do we avoid just, uh, you know, platitudes, uh, you know, just saying the same thing without really addressing the issue. And how do we be authentic when we are who we are instead of, you know, just uh, 
it's, I don't, how, do, how do we keep authenticity in all this? Well, I've got to practice it before I preach it. One thing, uh, one thing I did that I was taught a long time ago was that if I'm going to teach church involvement, if I'm going to stand before the congregation and say, you need to be involved in doing good works in this congregation, I've got to be involved in doing good works. Um, one thing I learned a long time ago, I was at a lectureship and I saw the guest speaker moving chairs into the auditorium because there weren't enough places to, to sit. And I, I didn't, I, you know, I don't even remember the man's name, but what I remember is he was the guest of honor in a sense. And there he was working. So every time we have a potluck or whatever it may be, I always move chairs because I remember that guy. But if I'm going to, you know, if I want to speak out on racism, for example, I need to have already have been treating my brothers and sisters who are whatever other race in an honorable Christian way. And if I haven't, then what I do is I say, folks, I've, I've messed up on this. You know, if you could see me, you would know that I've been to way too many buffets in my life. And I have, when I talk on sin, I'll talk about one of the sins is, is gluttony. It's overeating. And I'll say, you might be able to hide your sin, but I can't get my suit coat around me this morning because of mine. But it is a sin, and I'm wrong. It's that idea of trying to be as open as I can be. If I, how can I speak on other sins if I'm not speaking on my own? I've, I've, I've got to be just as open and upfront as I can be. And I, from what people tell me, they appreciate that. Now, the ones who don't appreciate it just don't tell me. <laughs> But, but at least some of them do, but I, I have to live it if I'm going to preach it. Yeah. That's great. David, most of us probably won't uh, speak at a, a program where we'll, they'll have to bring in extra chairs though. No, <laughs> I was not the speaker. <laughs> <laughs> so, so David, uh, let's, you mentioned about, uh, uh, if I want to get the church to do works or to be active, think about, uh, and maybe talk a little bit about what are some things that we can do as preachers and as congregations to help bring healing to a, a community that has gone through a, a terrible ordeal, whether it's something that we're living in, like in da Dallas right now, or whether it's, um, you know, I was in Oklahoma City when the Murrah Federal Building uh, was blown up. What are some things that we can do that are tangible uh, that that uh, can help bring healing to a community as, as a group of God's people? Well, for example, right now, when we're thinking about race relations and all that's going on, specifically in the healing that needs to happen in, in the United States, I um, the, the Memorial Congregation has many races in it, but we are predominantly a white congregation. And for the last, I guess, nine years, we've had a, a one or two worship services a year with the Fifth Ward congregation that is predominantly black, just down the road from us. We would be the two largest congregations with, within the Beltway, as they call it here in Houston. And uh, so we get together every year, and uh, we do a lot of things together. We work together as well as worship together. When all of this happened, in Dallas the other night, I, uh, on 
Saturday morning, I called the preacher at Fifth Ward, Gary Smith, good friend. And I said, we need to say something. I said, I think people are expecting us to say something. And so we tried to make it where we could go to the congregation of the other one and stand and, and, uh, and talk for a minute. And that didn't work because of our, our time issues. So I just made a little video on my telephone and sent for Fifth Ward to play. And he made one on his telephone for Memorial to play. And basically it said, we love you just like we always have. We, uh, uh, you are our brothers in Christ as you've always been. We want to keep fellowshipping with you. And we pray you want to keep doing those things with us. We have the same father. We have the same salvation, the same savior, and we're going to live together forever. And, uh, that's one thing that can be done. We do a, we're going to do a, a, a unity service, which we have done in the past. It was already planned. This year, it seems to be a bit more poignant. In uh, August 21st, we'll get together and worship um, all of the churches of Christ that are willing to come or are invited to be there on a specific night that we'll all be together at a hotel in uh, downtown Houston. We're going to have a day just before that where we do benevolence throughout the city and uh, invite people to help us do that on that day. All those things will bring healing because what we're going to be doing is working together. I am. Uh, but David, I'm, I will point out, if you don't mind me interrupting a second, those are not things you're doing in reaction to those events. Those are things you're already doing, which is probably a big part of this, isn't it? If we just when we just follow the news cycle, whatever happens gets on the roll, we roll out something. It looks like we're doing it just to address that issue. But what you're saying is y'all have created an atmosphere that already uh, existed before this so that now it may be more pungent, pungent right now, but, but it's, it already existed. Uh, the relationship already exists. You didn't develop a relationship to stage a racial unity. You were already trying to practice that before any of this came up. And that is absolutely true. In this case, we were already involved. If, if, if something else were to happen, you know, obviously Jeff brought up the bombing in Oklahoma city. We wouldn't have something for that, except we would work together as brothers and sisters to reach those who were, who were in need. Um, We've had a hurricane here back eight or nine years ago. And we, we did that same kind of thing. I uh, recently was uh, reading the story about when Jesus heard that John the Baptist had died and it said that John the Baptist, or he was about to die, and, and uh, says Jesus went off to a quiet place, and then he got up and started showing compassion to people. It takes a while in a, in, a, in a moment of shock that we need some time to heal, maybe minutes or, or hours or days, depending on the person. But then the way we get over that is we get up and we start showing compassion to other people. And uh, I think that's that's the road to healing, and that's the road, that's the the uh, role that the preacher can play with the congregation is helping them find things they can do to show compassion. David, uh, we want to thank you for joining us today and thank you for your insights. And uh, I, I want to, we want to thank you for what you're doing in Houston and what, what the church Memorial and fifth ward and other congregations are doing to bring about unity in the church. I told somebody recently, I think that y'all are setting a great example for, 
uh, other cities and communities. And so we, we, we definitely appreciate what you're doing. Well, thank you. Thanks for what you're doing. I appreciate that. And uh, it's good to have you on with us. And we appreciate it a great deal. Folks, if you'd like to uh, have things you'd like to address or you'd like to address us with some things that might be helpful to others or you have subjects you'd like for us to deal with, we'd invite you to send them to tji at thejenkinsinstitute.com. That's tji at thejenkinsinstitute.com. We thank you for listening today, and we hope you have a great day. Jeff, good to be with you. You too, Dale. Thank you again, David. Bye-bye. God bless you all.